0: You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another
1: round of StarCubbie of the Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And hey, guess what, guys? This is the week of the Oscars. The Oscars have happened. The shape of water has reached high tide. I guess we could call it that. And what I wanted to do this hour is delve into a chat on cinema. And what I mean by that is... I have found, not that I have found, I've known someone that you don't know about. Uh, He was someone I grew up with through grade school, middle school, high school, and he runs a cinema blog. So he is a film critic, and I brought him on to talk about something wonderful in the cinematic universe. That's right, something that will never be talked about. At the Oscars, that's right, we're gonna talk about Christian cinema. Oh, the fun we will have. Yes, so that's coming up. But before I get to that, I've gotta talk about some other issues of drama. Yeah, yeah. You think, you think in the Christian world we're gonna have issues of drama? Oh, baby, we do. So let's go ahead and hop into that right away. Well, speaking of cinema, many films begin as books. And let's talk about a book that will probably, hopefully, never be made into a movie. Yes, it's called Under God's Authority, colon, the Kim Davis story. We all remember Kim Davis, right? She's kind of our Pentecostal crush with those sexy librarian glasses and kind of a mullet going on like 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 a lady mullet. You know what I'm talking about where she ha- kind of has like uh the business in the front but business is more like Moses raising his rod and lifting the red seas. It's 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 this large wall of hair and then there's a party in the back. We know that Kim Davis, you know Kim Davis the Kentucky County Clerk that refused to sign off on same-sex marriages. That that Kim Davis that is such A pillar of faith and Christianity who says that she can't bring herself, her faith will not bring herself to be able to sign off on same-sex marriages. Even though, I will note, side note, even though, remember, we love Kim here, right? We're all pro-Kim. I mean, if we're pro-Kim anything, it's probably John Oong. I don't know. I don't know which is the worst Kim here. But, uh, yes, her faith would not allow her to do this because she believes deeply in the sanctity of marriage, which she outlines in her new book. Except I probably shouldn't note this. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I'm being terrible by noting this. She believes in the sanctity of marriage, but she has been married four times. I'm not trying to call a hypocrite here because, again, she's one of our crushes, but if it sounds like a bigot, it talks like a bigot, or if it sounds like a hypocrite and talks like a hypocrite, it's probably a hypocrite. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I just ruined everyone's uh, book of the month club right now for the Kim Davis story. Super sorry Hopefully that won't happen. But on better news, Kim does have a book out and it's registering nowhere on Amazon, mainly because it has a foreword by Mike Huckabee. <laughs> oh, Mike Huckabee. You may have tried to be president, but your daughter has done much worse. Yeah. Continuing on. And speaking about crazy biatches, because I think I can get away with that FCC-wise, with my emphasis, uh, Lori Baker, who's a fine woman of Jesus. She's a fine woman of faith. She's also married to Jim Baker. So everything I said before this is all a lie. Because what does it take to be married to Jim Baker? I have no idea. Uh... But she has said on one of the recent broadcasts, which we will bring to you on a day that we have more time, that she's worried that liberals are planning to, quote, lock up Christians in the insane asylums. And that would only make sense if the government was actually funding mental health and things of that nature. So (laughs) it's an empty threat. Uh, Some of us may want to, I'm not naming names. I'm not raising my hand because you can't see uh, that I'm doing that uh, because I'm on the radio. So figure out what you want to figure out within that statement. But yes, (laughs) spreading crazy seed and crazy misinformation in the Christian world. Lori Baker does it. But not her husband, right? Not her husband. Jim would never say crazy stuff. Or would he? Because, I'm sorry, he has. He really has. Uh, He said now that the death of beloved Billy Graham is going to signal the beginning of the end times. Because we all know that Jim Baker is a pillar of honesty and truth and absolutely nothing that regards felonies or prostitutes. So if you're wanting to take his word on it, do so, but do it with a little bit of a caution. You want to have another little nugget of joyful, crazy. (laughs) Yes, I still got it. Sebastian Gorka, which is just a fun word to say. It's like something you'd want to say swear in front of your grandparents when you can't use real swear words. Sebastian Gorka! Uh, Yeah, he's one of Trump's stooges or ex-stooges right now. And he's telling the faith-based out there that Donald Trump's election is all the proof that you need that God exists. (laughs) I mean, if you want to take a conservative Christian route on this, it's all the proof that you need that there is a hell but I'm not really sure that it proves that God exists. But that really doesn't matter because, as we've known, <laughs> with within the crazy cr- Christian conservative realm, and my brain, and I'm literally scratching my head right now as I think about this. Uh, oh my gosh! I mean, I think the only thing that you can tie Donald Trump to God is the fact that people like to say, oh my God, or oh my effing God, I can't believe this. I think that's the only tie that you can make towards Trump and God. But before we descend too much into our snarkiness, which you'll still get some of, um, I teased this earlier, and I've sat down this week with a film critic so we can talk about the glories of cinema. Not the glories of good cinema, but the glories of Christian cinema. So here we go. So I'm sitting here with Brian Scuttle uh, from Sonic Cinema, and it's sonic-cinema.com. And this is an interesting interview because Brian is someone that I, I don't know, Brian, and you, can, you can push back on this. We somewhat grew up together. We grew up in the same school, uh, knew each other, And this is back going back to, I'm guessing, grade school. So this is kind of a fun thing. And and I brought Brian on the show because I wanted to talk about uh, Christian film. And it's one thing for me to be able to sit and be snarky and rip on Christian film. But it's another thing to get someone that is more, uh, I guess, adept in analyzing film and talking through film, which is why I brought Brian on here. So, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you very much, Stuart. I really appreciate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember about grade school. I'm fairly certain. Definitely middle school is. uh, And then uh, high school, of course. But uh, yeah, it's really great to talk to you. And I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So, Brian, first of all, um, I want to just get a little bit of your background. So talk to me
1: a little bit about this, like like how and 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 I know you're kind of a humble guy, and and you will probably push back on this, but but tell me a little about your road to being a film critic and a film guru.
2: Well, I certainly wouldn't consider myself a guru. There are plenty of movies, uh, plenty of great movies, established classics. I definitely have I have not seen yet, and I definitely need to see. So basically, my my road to this. Uh, what I'm doing as far as film film criticism is I kind of fell in love with movies in the 90s when we were in high school, and it just is something that really resonated with me, and I got more and more into it uh, as high school went along, as college uh, went along. And while I was at Georgia State, um, my first year of being at Georgia State, at the time, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution ran like these little "You Be the Crick" uh, things, where readers would write in their thoughts on recent movies. And I started to write in my thoughts on movies because I had started to think of movies more correctly at the time. And in January of '97, I finally started to get published in there. And mm. I think from. 97 to 2000 when they ran, when they stopped running the, uh, the section, I think I had, I think I want to say it was, it was upwards to 50 if not more of these little blurbs that was writing published in the AJC. But by that point I had started to really think about movies on, on much more critical level and, Even just for myself, based on starting to read Roger Ebert, reading Leonard Maltin's book, uh, I started to really get more and more into writing about films on a critical level. Mm -hmm. And so I started to write reviews, and in 1999, I started sending some of these reviews to friends of mine who were interested in my thoughts. And uh, it, that's actually the introduction to my uh, mailing list, which I still continue to this day, where it's, it's evolved, it's changed, but it's still the same basic idea of getting my, uh, getting my reviews out to individuals uh, in my life. Although now with uh, Sonic Sim, uh, I certainly welcome anybody who's interested in uh, receiving that. And it's uh, tying into more of what I'm doing, trying to do with Sonic Sima this past year. Um, the idea for Sonic Sima, part of the reason the reason it's called Sonic Sima was because I also began composing mm-hmm. in college, uh, composing music, and one of the things I was interested in was doing film music, and so. Uh, I was basically coming up with ideas for a website that I could do to house my music in, to house my music on, to get people to listen to my music. And I also decided to tie in what I was doing with film reviews. And so that was the genesis of Sonic Cinema. I finally got it off the ground in 2004, and it's been going ever since. Mm. And if you go there, you have movie reviews, you have some of my music, you have uh, fan commentaries that some friends of mine and I have uh, done, as well as the songs I'm a podcast, which I started doing a couple of years ago.
1: Excellent, excellent. And one of the things, like, I, I've appreciated kind of looking through your site and being able to read reviews, because we live in a very Rotten Tomatoes world, <laughs> where it's simply about, like, a thumbs up or thumbs down, mm-hmm. and, and sound bite oriented kind of uh, delve into cinema. And, and I've enjoyed the way that you kind of, it, it's really kind of from the heart how you're analyzing mm-hmm. film. And, you know, for me, I've, I've had like a special relationship with film most of my life. I mean, I think that in many ways, uh, film was an escape from life when it sucked. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, through like grade school, middle school, and high school, and it was one of those things where you know family life may be weird and odd and messed up, but but film was something that gave me this whole like outlet, this whole portal to kind of experience different worlds, and and then especially like kind of uh, I guess bisecting that with with what we do here on the show at Snarky Faith, um, one of my also loves has been uh, trashing um, really Christian <laughs> film. Because in general, in general, uh, it tends to be god awful and horrible, and um, and I'm not saying everyone. I'm not trying to cast a, a a complete blanket, but it's you know instead of being like a California king blanket, it's more like a queen or a king that right. <laughs> type of a blanket right. I'm casting over. <laughs> and, and one of my issues for the longest time has been that Christian film isn't really film. Um, it's something that that they have gone through and and put the message over the medium, and mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to you to bring uh, to bring you on here was really to talk about this idea of why Christian films suck, and <laughs> um, and essentially because what what I've at least noticed, and uh, for those listening too, I'm going to be doing a crossover podcasts with with Brian's podcast, and Brian had me sit down and and, and watch uh, a few films. And the thing that continues to come back over and over again to me is that the idea of whatever you call it, quote unquote, Christian cinema, it's almost like you would take a sermon and then mm-hmm. try, then try to make a story around it, right? Um, which yeah. which is problematic, and mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that, for me at least, it feels like you're not actually honoring cinema. Um, mm-hmm. You're just using cinema as as a very kind of a dirty tool to push your your message across to the masses, but in, in your experience, Brian, like, well, I mean, we'll start off, we'll start off large, like the, the, the wide end of the funnel here. And, and <laughs> so why overall in your mind from like a large, like uh, perspective, like a macro perspective, why do you think overall Christian films suck?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, and that's a, that's a big, broad question. Oh to yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, and, and it goes exactly, and like I, when you uh, brought up this subject to me, I, I pointed out the fact that a few years ago on Sonic Sema, I actually wrote a blog about this very subject, because mm-hmm. a lot of faith-based movies were coming out at the same time, at that time, a lot of religiously themed movies were coming out at that time, so it was, so when you brought this up, it's like, oh, wow, that's actually kind of perfect, um, I would it's weird because of the fact that there are few faith-based movies that I've seen that I just truly think are horrible. One of the things you'll find about me when you go to Sonic Cinema is I tend to like more than what I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that comes from the fact that I'd much rather find something good in a film than just sit there boiling off everything that's terrible about a film. And if I can find more good than bad in a film, I'm going to acknowledge it as such. If there's clearly more bad in a film, uh, that's certainly going to be, uh, that's certainly going to justify the review that it gets. Um, And yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on, I think, when it comes to filmmakers Especially when it comes to evangelical uh, Christianity and faith-based films, I mm-hmm. think that's the thing where that's that's the dominant type of faith-based film you see coming into theaters, and it's one of those things where, yes, absolutely, the message is definitely more important for the me- than the medium for them, and mm-hmm. it's a shame. It really is genuinely a shame because it's like if. If that's the case, you're basically just going to be preaching to the choir. You're basically just going to be getting audiences who are interested in that type of film compared to other audiences like myself. I'm not necessarily particularly religious. I'm somebody who considers myself more spiritual than religious. Mm -hmm. But... So I'm not terribly interested in uh, watching that type of movie unless there's something more to it or I'm looking to talk about it. Sometimes they're different. And, you know, sometimes it will come down to, like, word of mouth, like the uh, Sherwood Pictures uh, film Facing the Giants that came out in 2006. Uh, Yes. we, (laughs) We had that. At the theater that I work at, for about three months, my GM at the time absolutely, she she absolutely loved it. She thought it was a wonderful film. And mm. she actually fought for us to keep it as long as we did because it was doing so well. Mm. If you watch that film, I, I will admit I have a particular weakness for it, but be, that's because I have a particular weakness for the underdog sports movie. Yes, that it. is kind of my kryptonite. So you have a movie like that, the evangelical part of that, honestly, I could care less. Like, give me a good underdog sports movie Uh story and, you know, okay. Even though that one is particularly cringeworthy because at the very end, God literally changes the winds during the championship game so that the Five foot nothing soccer, former soccer kicker can kick the long field goal to win the game for the underdogs. And it's like, oh, Lord, that is so cheesy. That's. So bad.
1: Oh, you are so right, and I and I give you actually credit for sitting through that. I have, in a person who's worked in uh, in church ministry for many years, mm-hmm. um, and is not currently doing that because of many other reasons, as you can probably yeah. normally listen to on my radio show. Yeah. Um, I remember having several people g- literally give me a copy of this and like, you have to watch this; it'll change your faith. And to be honest. You just I appreciate you telling me the ending because I never made it that far. <laughs> like I, I would those movies and, and again, from a, like from a loving of cinema and then also a person who uh, has you know worked and <laughs> gone to seminary and been around this kind of stuff, yeah it, it tends to like honestly it it makes my faith pissed off. Um, <laughs> if there's such a thing, like my soul just begins to ache as, as I go through all of this. And I, I think that I remember, I mean, someone's like, they, they gave it to me. And literally at one point I had two copies of this because people were like, <laughs> you have to watch this. You have to. And I'm like, uh, like after the first one, I'd be like, sure, I'll watch it. And then I didn't. And then after the second one, I'm like, oh gosh, they're going to ask me a question about this. I know. And I can't BS my way through this. So I think I made it about 45 minutes in. Oh, and wow. again, and yeah. I, around to where Mark Richt, uh, the ex football coach for Georgia, shows up. Yes. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> I thought the acting was bad, and now there's Mark Richt. And yeah, uh, which again, being, being a Georgia alumni, I have my own uh, love hate issues with Mark Richt. But that's a whole different <laughs> show. Um, no, but but you're right about that. I mean, and and I I love how you're able to see this from kind of a different perspective, which I understand. My lens can be quite jaded <laughs> when, when when i approach approach this kind of a schlock but when i when i yeah. begin to, when I begin to think about cinema like for me like from a faith standpoint point, you know there's there's films that I feel like have been drenched with the divine but were not necessarily christian films um, yeah I can think of films like um Dead Man Walking uh, with like mm-hmm. susran and, and and uh Sean Penn, and I yeah. remember watching that and like being so like moved and being like. No, this, this right here is, is, mm-hmm. is more of the gospel than any of these other films or, or even films like Dogma, uh, yeah. like Kevin Smith, uh, you know, to like the last temptation of Christ, um, yep. to, uh, even like the invention of lying, uh, with Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais, yeah. loved it, loved it. Cause I, I, to me, there was so much truth. In a lot of what he's saying, and he's even coming at this from a total atheist perspective and actually mm-hmm. kind of an angry atheist, even though I love Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And <laughs> and for me, I was able to be like, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. And yeah. and I think when it comes to Christian uh, cinema, it ends up being like this weird battleground. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're, uh, there's no there's no like realm for nuance. There's no realm for kind of dialogue or doubt. Yeah. it's it's just like we're we're all or nothing man
2: like we are all or nothing no that's absolutely ryan right. you you just listed off like several of my very a couple of my very favorite uh religiously themed movies and dogma and last temptation of Christ and uh I love invention of lying and uh dead man walking definitely was an excellent film as well and no I mean it, it's funny that you mentioned that and go in that realm especially with dead man walking which is not necessarily doesn't even though you know it's it it's not particularly religiously Mm -hmm. themed because it's about the death penalty but it's still it's still got a religious undertones in there yeah i just watched uh last night *Errol morris's gates of heaven Mm. which if you've never seen it it's it's, it was Air Morris's first film he made 40 years ago. It's a documentary about pet cemeteries. Mm. And it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Roger Ebert, the late, great Roger Ebert, when he was alive, he when the movie first came out, he and Siskel just absolutely uh, praised it up and down. It was one of Ebert's favorite movies of all time. And one of the things that I noticed watching that, it had been a several years since I had seen it, is that they're i mean these are not the the people in gates of heaven are not like theologians or they're not they're not famous people outside this movie they're just ordinary people but some of what they say especially some of the people who have buried animals at these pet cemeteries have deeply philosophical and spiritual things to say mm-hmm. that rate true that achieve like a real transcendence of thought and existentialism. And, you know, why are we here? And that is one of the things that, and like you said, I mean, it, and one of the, you know, it's, it is frustrating as somebody who loves film that we do have a great many people of faith who are closed minded to ideas that are not their own. And the the ultimate example Wait, (laughs) wait. What are you talking about here? (laughs) I can't imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, continue. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um and and the best and the ultimate example of that is Last Temptation of Christ, Mm -hmm. which the evangelical right hated Mm -hmm. and they wanted it burned. They wanted to buy the print and burn it. There was a fire at French cinema because of the movie. It was like the movie just like people hate it. And, but the fact of the matter is, is like that 160 minutes of Scorsese's film is in, is, has some of the most deeply philosophical thinking about Jesus Mm -hmm. that I think I've ever had in my lifetime because the whole, the last temptation, people focus on. At the end of the movie, there's yeah. a scene where Mary Magdalene and Jesus make love. Mm-hmm. And so, people, when people say last temptation of Christ, that's automatically what they think of as far as the temptation. No, the temptation, the cru- true last temptation of Christ in that movie is to simply live a human life. Yes. It's to abdicate his divine place as the son of God who will sacrifice himself for all of mankind and to live a normal human life and Mm -hmm. die that way. That's the last temptation of that movie. Mm -hmm. And that the way that it studies The duality of Christ's humanity, as well as his divinity, and the fact that that divinity is a process to him. Yeah. It's not something that he is automatic with. It's something that he has to learn for himself. That's—it is one of the most relatable portraits of Jesus I think I've ever seen. And even as somebody who—I was was raised Presbyterian. I went to Presbyterian church— it wasn't a bad church. I I've still gone with my mother every once in a while, but I ultimately consider myself more spiritual than religious. Mm-hmm. But the Jesus in Last Temptation is inspiring to me. It's because of and it's because of the fact that I feel like it's the most human that yeah. that Jesus has ever been in, certainly in film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the. The movie we're going to talk about uh, for Sonic Cinema is definitely there. It's definitely there's some interesting compare and contrast with Last Temptation. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, that humanity is that's all about the divinity. Yes.
1: Yeah. You're, 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 and you're specifically talking <laughs> about we're going to talk about the Passion of the Christ. Mel Mel yes. Gibson's yeah. Mel yeah,
2: Gibson's yeah, film. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but that – and it's like I, I felt the same way with uh, Darren Aronofsky's Noah yes. when it came out four years ago, which I love. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I understand if you're looking for just an adaptation of that story, okay, but can a filmmaker not bring their own ideas to the table? It, and I think that's one of the most frustrating things. Things about faith-based movies that are made with that message more in mind than the medium. No, that's you're, being told that.
1: You're right about that. And Silence was, again, yeah, that was Scorsese, and like that film again. I felt which Scorsese I think has done a great job of capturing from The Last Temptation, even you know to Silence, you know is is this idea that that faith and spirituality is it's muddy oftentimes you know, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's not clear cut. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that God's gonna make the divine field goal happen at the end of the movie every time, you know, cause sometimes maybe you lose, um, yes. you know, which we tend to see, which makes me sick about sports. When you have someone win the Super Bowl and they like, Oh God, God was there. God wanted us to win. So does that mean yeah. God hated everybody else in the other team? <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a bizarre, like binary, like, Like there's, there's no, and you know, human life, you know, if we're, if we're called to be humans, there, this, there's a richness, there's a complexity, you know, to life. And, and I think that that's what ends up getting me about most of Christian cinema is that they, Mm -hmm. there's no room for that. Like you had mentioned this to me, uh, in messaging a couple days ago about the case for Christ. And I was like, all right, I, I, (laughs) I have to watch the case of Christ in case Brian asked me and, and watching through that, it was like, it, was, it felt like a series of monologues. Yes. And that was it. You know, it was yeah. simply like... And I felt like... Well, actually, <laughs> for those that haven't seen it, I feel like that whole movie wouldn't have happened if someone knew how to do the Heimlich maneuver at the <laughs> beginning of the film. Because I'm watching this, and, you know, the beginning you know, starts with, like, Lee Strobel and his daughter's, like, choking on uh, spaghetti or something like that, yeah. which is yeah. weird in itself. But... Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so there was so much... Yeah, I can rift on too much of that right now, but um, but I'm just watching this. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, nobody knows how to do the Heimlich maneuver as this kid's dying, and somehow that was I, I don't. know, It was just so it was so cardboard and so thin, mm. and and the main character I couldn't get past the fact that he had a really bad wig the entire time, um, <laughs> and that that bothered me. But even though I will yeah. give it to that film, it it looked better than most. It didn't yes. it didn't look like the traditional Lifetime movie. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, featuring, was it, like, Melissa Joan Hart, or Kevin Sorbo, or yeah. Kirk Cameron, oh. or... But what, I, but what I love is, like, and this is what I don't get, and I'm totally just randomizing all of this, is, like, <laughs> Stephen Baldwin. Like, that that folks like Stephen Baldwin and Melissa Joan Hart have found, like, a second career on, like, the D-list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you were a bad actor, like, when you were actually in films that people may have watched? Uh... Musa Joan Hart was never in a film that anyone watched,
2: I don't think. You can correct me on that one. But, um, no, I mean, the biggest thing she was ever in was Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
1: Don't forget, Clarissa <laughs> explains it all. Come on. Mm. Uh, no, I'm joking. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, but it ends up being like, and what I found is this ends up being this, this niche for bad actors to yeah. kind of find uh, some sort of praise or some sort of audience um, that they may have had for one brief moment in life and mm-hmm. my other one is, I have no idea why Nick Cage did the new version of left behind <laughs> besides he just wanted I, a
2: paycheck. Um, I, which... No. Well, the fact that better is it's like, it's baffling why Nicholas Cage does like 90% of the movies that he does. But the fact that better is, it's like the, the story I've always heard is he, he, his extravagant spending put in, him into serious debt for a while, and so uh-huh. that's why he makes so many of the different choices they make. <laughs> but no, I was—I remember when that came up when he was when it was announced that he was doing a new version of Left Behind. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's Nick Cage. I'm curious, and then I saw it, and I hated it like it was so bad i never saw the kurt cameron one but oh, come on can't come on brian it was come on you,
1: you you're, you're you're you you are you did not give nick a chance because in your heart somewhere you're like <laughs> kurt kurt immortalized this you know it's like making a, a remake on perfection you're like ah nick you can't do this because growing yeah. pains is this is my own gr- i don't know but yeah but it's <laughs> But what, what I've, and, and some of this becomes more and more ludicrous, the, like, the further they go down the rabbit hole, because yeah. I was, I was, I was doing way more digging than I should have into, like, Pure Flix Studios. Oh, um, yeah. And so this one, and I just, like, this just made me laugh, and there's, this is really no redeeming value, but I just had to do this anyways. Um, and I was looking through their, like, their film library, and just going, like, mm-hmm. what is this? And... <laughs> And so I, I, uh, I love this one. I'll just read this, and we probably don't even need to comment on this, but uh, this is Black Rider, Revelation Road. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, which, again, I love <laughs> I love long titles, and that's another question I'll ask you for another day, is that most movies that have a colon in them are terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I just have that firm belief, and you can probably prove me wrong like once or twice, but for the most part, when you have a colon in the title, you've already just... You should just not even make the movie. Um, But it was working for a security contracting agency in his years after the service in the United States Army. Chad Turner finds himself surgically implanted with a groundbreaking piece of technology on a commercial 747 flight on his way to Berlin, which I'm really glad they told us it was a 747 because that makes no difference. uh, in, in route, the plane is hijacked by Joseph Pike, a ruthless mercenary who is looking to capture Chad and return his implant to a mysterious political figure. Ooh. But th- here's where it gets me. I'm like, okay, this is like bad B or C cinema. In the flight for life, the flight for his life, ooh, uh, Chad comes to understand the reality of God's plan, and now oh he's my. branded with the mark oh. of the beast? Which I was just like, wait, what? Like, okay, you kinda had me like this was like really bad Con Air. And again again Nick Cage comes up again. But now yeah. somehow it's like Nick Cage finds Jesus in the middle of Con Air. And that is I I, oh. I I I yeah, most of these I'm like, I have no words. I have no words for so much of this.
2: I, I don't think there are any words for that. I, I mean, mean that right there. It's Honestly, it's I may have to go find this movie now. Yes, I'm I'm fascinated by it.
1: Yes, um, it's which it's, which is weird on their website. It's the <laughs> it's the Black Rider Revelation Road, but then they show a small picture of the DVD, and it's only called The Mark. So they're having a bit of marketing issues, even on their own website. I'm not sure how that works. But <laughs> if, if any of my listeners want to find this, it's at Walmart, uh, <laughs> Family Christian Stores, and Lifeway, uh, which is oh, where wow. people buy always the best cinema. <laughs> no, but, but, and and again, I know, like, my, my problem with a lot of this, and, and you touched on this earlier, is I feel like it ends up being, like, echo chamber entertainment. Yeah. Um, and it's not even entertainment. Um, it ends up just being more or less... it's just kind of like you're doing your own, like patting yourself on the back cinema. Uh, Because, you know, very rarely, very rarely, and and I think the passion, which we'll talk about on yours, is a little different. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Very rarely are you going to have somebody that's not one of the, you know, one of the tribe. uh, Yeah. You know, on their own, or unless somehow you're being interrogated by, like, folks that are wanting to torture you and making you watch endlessly bad movies to try to get, something out of you i mean
2: I, I just i can't understand like why anyone outside of the tribe would do this well that's the thing i think that's the most frustrating thing for me is because of the fact that and the we you were you mentioned uh sorbo and melissa Joan hart and kirk cameron and stuff like that and i mean i've seen i've seen other actors like i've seen sean astin in i think pure flicks did a movie called yep. like mom's night out or something like that <laughs> sean astin was in yeah, and it's like it was a supporting role but it's like what's what's Samwise Gamgee doing in here I know he's,
1: he's, <laughs> um, there's an option so there's and, a, there's only so many rings he can throw into a into a volcano yeah um, exactly. yeah
2: um but you know and you look at uh heaven is for real which is a film, which is yeah. a different one yeah but the fact which is a different uh studio but the fact of the matter is it's like that was that had Greg Kinnear in it. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Randall Wallace, who mm-hmm. wrote Braveheart, who yep. directed We Were Soldiers. And so, I mean, does Randall Randall Wallace, he's, he's done Hollywood films. He's been nominated. No, he wasn't nominated for Braveheart. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I mean, the fact. And then you have Jim Caviezel, who had been in Hollywood films before he did Yeah, I think he's yeah. done a couple since. But the fact of the matter is it's like, yeah, you, you have and then you have people like Cage who, you know, Cage isn't in class by himself. I mean, you you could do like three hours on Nicolas Cage and not oh, yeah. even get into the complexity all the
1: that that is, Cage. Craziness
2: yes. that is Nicolas Cage. But the fact of the matter is it's like, yeah, so you do have you do have some of these studios who are able to get Bigger names, or at least more respectable names for these films. But yeah, ultimately speaking, they're still. It will never. Ne- they're never necessarily going to be on the same level of filmmaking as something like A Last Temptation of Christ or mm-hmm. Silence. And I would include Kundun, Scorsese's yes. yeah, film yeah, yeah. about the Dalai Lama in that trilogy, too. Um, and you're not going to get. So you're not. So you're already hampering yourself because of the fact that you have these this you almost are putting this restriction on filmmakers where it's like, well, this is the most important thing. You know, it's like if you make a good movie, you make a good movie. If it doesn't end up being a good movie, well, at least we'll get our people in. Yeah. And it's like that's that's the frustrating thing about it. And it's like I'd like to see for the sake of people of faith, I would like to see a high-quality industry of faith-based films. I would Mm -hmm. love to see that. That would be fantastic. That would be a good... I think that would be a good thing for cinema in general, you know, because maybe then... Maybe then things could get a bit more adventurous. Probably not, but maybe... (laughs) You never
1: know. No, but you're right. But like, like before I remember before, like the passion, one of my things was that, and I'm not sure the passion really changed any of this. I mean, it changed the industry and how people market yeah. things. Um, but in my mind was that we live in an R rated world. And yes. if anyone reads the Bible, it's a fairly R rated <laughs> Bible as well, too. So, so mm. the idea that everything needs to be uh, G or PG and you may be having a film about folks in prison and everyone's like, gosh, darn it. Um, (laughs) you know, like realism has just gone out the door and I'm done. Like I'm walking Mm -hmm. for the exit at that moment where I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, you're doing a Christian Shawshank, which I don't think exists. But, um, but you know, but when you're thinking (laughs) of things like that, you're, you're like, there's certain things in life that can't be sanitized. And, Mm -hmm. and and I think that what ends up happening is, and I'm going to be horribly judgmental. So you don't have to be, um, not that you would be, (laughs) it's mainly my job to do that. But I mean, I feel like what ends up happening, like I'd mentioned about like the echo chamber is, is that I feel like Christians want this weird sanitized world that doesn't exist or especially evangelicals. And, and they want their films to reflect this weird sanitized world that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And, and film, you know, at least my heart and the films I tend to enjoy. I mean, yes, I'll enjoy certain escapism films, but the ones that tend to move me have, uh, have, tr- have some element of like human truth to life. And it doesn't have to be biblical truth, but it just has to be something like, "Oh my gosh, yes, I know that I felt that I've been there," and and I think they lack that emotion uh, because they're not willing to connect with the reality of life.
2: Right. No i i would definitely I would definitely agree with that to a certain extent. And yeah, I mean, it is, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with. Keeping certain stories and keeping certain movies like PG or PG thirteen, oh, Hollywood course, of does course. it all the time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just the idea that you're, you know, it, it comes down to the fact that you're basically, and I know you've touched on it on previous episodes of your your show. You you talked about the fact that it's like you're basically, you're not necessarily preparing. People in your faith, whether it's family, friends, or anything like that, for the real world mm-hmm. when you in in these movies, you're really not. Like you're yeah, it's like you can you can say, Oh, well, it's like this is a morality tale. It's like, well, okay, it is, but you're not really looking at it from all sides either. And yeah. I mean, you know, you could to a certain extent, you can say the same thing about Hollywood. Hollywood can be very one-sided when it comes to certain issues as well. But the fact of the matter is, it's like at least most of the best films are going to look at uh, things from a variety of perspectives.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that one of the things, and again. I'll, I'll I'll give a very simple analogy, which breaks down very quickly. Um, so I'll say it quickly. Um, but you know, but but when you were mentioning Hollywood, like one of the things that drives a lot of Hollywood is is money. Yeah. Um, and and I think what begins to get weird about Christian cinema is that on one level it's about money, mm-hmm. and secondly it's about like proselytizing people. And and for me, at least in my faith and life, the idea of mixing both of those two things together. You're already mm-hmm. done. Um, yeah. And, and I'm not saying Hollywood can't make money off films that tell a good story, but when it comes down to like faith, you know, it, this ends up almost being like, hey guys, like we're not doing church on Wednesday, but you might as well pass the plate at the local movie theater um, to just continue to support this Christian crap. And, <laughs> and, and so that gets me too is this idea that they feel like they're preaching to people, but they're also doing it, to be honest, they, I mean, you know, they make money on these things. And you know, the production budget may be like lifetime quality production budget, but you know, less production budget and they still push it out to all the churches and all the faithful, they still turn Mm. a profit on this. And so, and so for me, that starts to get icky for lack of a better word, um, that I can use on the air. Um, (laughs) but, but it does. And and I feel like that, that within all of this, and, and this is where I think Christians go wrong oftentimes is they see culture as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they 're trying to use culture as a tool to be able to push their own agenda and narrative and the fact of the matter is i 'm not saying films there aren 't films out there that definitely have a message or a narrative, but every film that you produce can 't always have a message and a narrative. you know sometimes I think it needs to have stuff that can kind of gel in your bones um, mm-hmm. you know something to where you know and all this is a common complaint I have with pastors is that they end up kind of pre-digesting what you're supposed to believe and simply just tell you what to believe
0: yeah. which is
1: which is what we see in films um, mm-hmm. you know like i can think of like terrence malick's uh, like the tree of life um, mm-hmm. i loved watching that because there weren't answers you know there weren't like sharp corners and it was yeah. like what what are you going to do with this or what are you feeling with this and i know that's a film that may have some people loved and some people were frustrated with but but i feel like yeah when we talk about christian films and this thing it ends up being you know more about we don't want to let you think we're going to tell you how to think
2: right no absolutely and and like you know and you were you were talking about as far as you know money versus message in when the case comes to making these faith based films and it is a, it's a double edged sword because yeah. it's like ultimately you're asking people to pay money to watch you know you said it perfectly a sermon mm-hmm. you know a pre-digested sermon and that is you know is that is that religious is that something <laughs> that religion should really be doing uh, it's part of yeah. it's, it's, it's part of like the, the cap,
1: capitalistic christian industrial complex that exists yeah you know, we, yeah. we we could make probably the same rips about this when we talk about Christian music, uh, in many ways too, yeah. uh, which is a totally different show. Um, so I, I wanted your help, and as we're kind of like running down here on on time a little bit, um, so uh, in most of these Christian films, um, I feel like there's always some sort of a of a political agenda, and I'm not subtle at all political agenda. <laughs> um, and, and the list I came up with, and I was curious if you had any others, was somehow like separation of church and state, um, mm-hmm. something about being anti-atheist, something about being pro-life, and something about anti-intellectualism. Um, I mean, they wouldn't call it anti-intellectualism. That's my, right. that's my right. phrasing. Right. Um, anything else? Because I feel like there's just motifs, and they keep running down these over and over again.
2: No, and you're definitely, you're, you definitely hit on a lot of the big ones. I mean, you know, I, I never, I haven't seen either of the, uh, God's not dead movies. Although I saw the preview for the third one when I went to go see black Panther, <laughs> why that was on black Panther is beyond me, but, uh, it's the same audience, man. It's the same the audience. That, what's even funnier is the fact that pure Flix released Samson the same weekend as black Panther yeah. because, Hey, you know, maybe people won't go see black Panther. We did nothing for Samson opening weekend. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody did. Cause it looks but, terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was not where our business was coming from that weekend.
1: That, that, uh, <laughs> mo- that movie in itself was like, we can't find like Jason Momoa. I think I'm saying his last name, right? Aquaman. Yeah. So yeah. let's find like one of his backup dancers from justice league and, it's and Taylor put them Loughner. in. Oh, it, it's like beefy it's Taylor. Taylor Loughner. Loughner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who's, which again, acting, acting credibility on the same level, yeah. like as a mannequin. Um, Yeah. He he's either like looking intense or he has to take a crap. I can't tell with Taylor Lautner at all. It's mm. it's the same face. It's the same face for either. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. But yeah, you were no, talking no, about yeah. No, that's
2: fine. That's fine. And no, I mean, and ultimately the the big message between all of these faith based movies that you see, and yeah, you you have a lot of the ones Church and State, uh, anti atheism, and look, the fact of the matter is, it's like I understand why for that to a certain extent but do they really have to be as cartoonish as they sometimes can be yeah uh, you know i'm based on what i've seen i'm looking at you kevin Sor- sorbo and god's <laughs> not dead um <laughs> but the fact of the matter is it's like yeah i you you hit on all of the big ones and ultimately it's especially when it comes to the, like the sherwood pictures mm-hmm. movies it's all about that evangelical born again feeling it's about putting instilling that in the audience. But the problem is if you're not making your movies that, that good in terms of quality, you're basically preaching to the converted. Oh, that's, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, I don't have, you know, that isn't going to really have much an effect on me when Mm -hmm. I watch it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like there – it is – it would be nice to see – you know, don't, don't abandon the message completely. I mean, there have oh, been sure. great filmmakers over the years who have made movies with a very specific message. I mean, Elliot Kazan made On the Waterfront basically as an F.U. to everybody who criticized him for naming names during the uh, McCarthy era. Yeah. And – it's one of the greatest films of all time. So yeah. it's like, in that case, the message and the medium are equal on equal footing. He was mm-hmm. able to find a way to put that specific message into a film that resonated with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that ultimately I would like to see faith-based filmmakers and faith-based films do. It doesn't matter how much money you put into a mon- movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen movies from filmmakers who have like a 20th of the budget of Black Panther yeah. who have made really good films because they focus on the story and they f- they make the movie as best they can. You can make great movies without Hollywood production value. Oh, It's you were, possible.
1: You are absolutely right about that. And my, my, my question is, as we're wrapping up here is I, I'm excited for, and this hasn't happened yet, but you know when we're talking about like the idea of the of agenda movies, I want to find like the pro Christian gun movie. When is that going to happen? Like the, like the, you know, the conservative Christian, we love guns and God yeah. movie. Um, I mean, it may be the expendables with Jesus somehow that we're going to do, but it, it'll happen. At, at least I'm hoping it's going to happen, but you, but you're right, Brian, when we we're talking about this and, and I really, I appreciate you for your time and, and I feel like what, what ultimately happens, and it's easy for me to blame the filmmakers um, about this, but really this comes down to the audience. If people didn't show up to watch these, they would quit making them. And, yes. um, and within this, you know, I think that this is part of where Christian culture is in America. They go to churches that do not challenge them or their faith on a Sunday morning, but only to feel good. And they go mm-hmm. to these films because they don't want to be challenged um, in their faith. In um, all of that, but Brian, thank you so much for being a part of the show on this hour. Um, again, for everyone that wants to check it out, and I recommend this highly: sonic-cinema.com. Uh, this is Brian Scuttle. I've been talking to. So, Brian, thank you so much for your time, and I'd love to have you
2: on again. Oh, Stuart, thank you very much, and yes, we will. We will definitely have to do this again.
1: So, I thanks to Brian Scuttle for being on our show today, and a reminder that you can find his website, his movie reviews at Sonic dash cinema.com and you can also look on patreon.com backslash sonic cinema if you want to contribute to his efforts that he's doing there well as we end this broadcast just a reminder that you can catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com if you have questions if you have anything that you want to talk to me about push back criticize or compliments, we like the compliments around here, (laughs) you can message me at questions at snarkyfaith.com. We're also on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. Just look up Snarky Faith. It's just that easy. We've worked so hard to make it that easy for you. But as we end this, I want to send you out with a holy amount, especially during Lent, of snark and grace and peace. As you enter this world, because you're going to need all of it if you want to survive in Trump's America. That's all I got, and I'm out of here.
2: God bless United States. Thank you very much, United
0: States. States, States, States. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.